Welcome to the podcast at thatguitarlover.com. It's another exciting episode, gang. I have another wonderful guest with us today. Uh, I'm joined by Mr. Ryan Ainsworth. Ryan is a professional musician. I've known Ryan a long time. <laughs> yeah. So, Ryan, why don't you introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, thanks, Ross. Uh, so, uh, my name's Ryan. I, I got started, uh, you know, my interest in music started from way back as a, as a kid. Um, I, I started playing guitar in my early teens and, uh, and singing with local groups in high school and, uh, you know, never looked back. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, and it's, you know, never, never been able to put it down even if I want to. So. Well, that's awesome. And guys, I have seen Ryan perform live, although it's been a while for my, for me, and he's an incredible artist. He's one of those guys who can actually sing and play guitar at the same time. Something that I am personally completely incompetent at, and I'm probably legally prevented from singing in most provinces and states. <laughs> but Ryan has an excellent voice. So what we were going to talk about today, folks, is getting out of the box of just playing at home. Now, Ryan plays all kinds of, you know, music in his career, but we thought we'd talk a little bit about acoustic guitars and getting ready to go play out, either with some friends at a jam, maybe a small session at a coffee house, or maybe you've got a band and you're going to go do a live gig, you know, either on a secondary stage or a main stage. One of the benefits that Ryan brings to us is that he's, and I hate the phrase, but he's been there and he's done it. And not only does he know what works, he also knows what doesn't work. And I think it's really valuable if any of us can learn from the experiences of another person. And we call that standing on the shoulders of giants because the people have been there, they know what works, and we don't have to go out and break our fingers in the drawer every time because there are great folks that we can talk to and we can learn from who will help us be more successful. And Ryan, I'm really, really appreciative that you took time to be here with us and to share some of that expertise. Um, so thank you, man. Ah, my pleasure, Ross. It's, uh, you know, thanks for inviting me. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, what you just said there, I'm, if, if it helps somebody like, you know, their, if it helps their first gig or their 50th gig go a little bit smoother. And, uh, you know, that's something I, I, I would be really happy. So. Well, that's great. And this is, guys, is one of the reasons I wanted to invite Ryan because he's not one of those musicians who thinks everything's a secret. He's happy to talk about what works, what hasn't worked, and give guidance because he does have that experience of more than 50 gigs. A lot more. So, Ryan, let's get started and let's presume that we're going to talk about somebody whose predominant guitar is an acoustic guitar. Acoustics are great because you can play them pretty much anywhere and you don't need a whole bunch of kit. But as you start to think about and going out, what should a player check for and do in order to get ready to play using an acoustic guitar in a live situation? Now, any live situation involving anyone other than just yourself. You know, maybe just a group of friends hanging around. Sure. 
you know, the old campfire or a jam. And then we'll take that a little step further and look at a, a live performance. Let's start with the simple stuff. Okay. Well, I, I, you know, this may be like, you know, super basic and I'm sure we all know this, right? But make sure, you know, make sure your strings are in decent shape um, that you've, uh, you know, if your strings, if they're brand new strings and you just put them on, make sure you stretch them before you take them to, you know, said jam or jam night or even just the just getting together with your buddies right you don't want to what you you know if your buddies are already tuned up and um you know they're already starting a song you don't want to be there tuning uh for for 10 minutes so um, so ryan said well this might be the basics but i think and this is just my opinion that's got to be one of the most important things to think about you know keeping keeping the strings in a usable fashion no, and that's going to depend a lot upon you. Uh, you know the oils in your skin. Some people cause strings to go dead quicker. Yeah. Uh, you and I both know J.P. Cormier. Yeah. He goes through a set of strings in a set. Right. That's just yeah. his physiology. Other people might get two or three months out of a set of strings. Yeah. The important thing is, I think you're saying, be comfortable with the quality of the sound and the playability of the strings. And if you have to change strings, I'm going to reiterate something that you just said, stretch them. Because new strings, well, they go out of tune. Yeah, yeah. And uh, stretching them, um, you know, the way I do it is I, I'm just really just after, um, after putting them on, and I'll, I'll usually just do a pre preliminary tuning of the instrument. So tune it up to pitch. And then... Um, you know, and then I'm really just, um, you know, using with my, with my fingers, just, mm -hmm. just, uh, kind of gently lifting up on the strings. Um, you know, you don't want to lift up as much on the, the thinner ones as you do on the heavier ones. The heavier ones can take a little bit more pull. Right. So I'm not ripping them right off the guitar, but, but I am, I'm pulling on them a little bit so that it kind of sets them. And, and even around, you know, your, your windings around the posts on the, the machine head, you know, what it's doing is it's kind of locking that in place and, uh, you know, and then, and then where the, the bridge pin intersects with the, with the ball end of the string, now that gets locked into place. And so then after, you know, after stretching them a little bit, tune it up again, and you'll probably find that it's going to hold its tune better. Well, this is really great information that you're sharing because these are things that electric players don't always think about. Machine heads on an acoustic are different. The yeah. posts may be shaped different. The break angle in the nut may be different. And, you know, when we change our strings, and everybody should be able to change their own strings, but something as simple as a bridge pin, I mean, I'm sure it's happened at one time in your life where you thought you had it set and then the pin popped out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right. this is normal stuff. It happens to everybody. Yeah. But this is where a little bit of preparation, I think, is going to really make your life easier because every time some little thing annoys you i don't know about you but for me that impacts my confidence yeah like what else is going to go wrong <clears throat> exactly yeah so um yeah those those kind of things um go a long way in that and that that preparation that you do is going to help you for sure um it's also going to you know make you feel a little bit more relaxed too which right which is is really um you know, is so 
is so critical. I, I, I can uh, recall like a, you know, a, a gig that um, I showed up to and uh, I was I was running a little bit late. And, uh, you know, so uh, whatever, the traffic or, you know, whatever it was. Life. <laughs> life, life happening, right? So, you know, got there and it was really kind of a, I had to hustle to, to be able to get ready to play. And the, the band was there. They're already set up. And the, the drummer that was there, um, you know, Marco, he, he, he saw and recognized that I was, you know, that my heart rate was up and right. that I wasn't calm. And, and, you know, he just kind of gave me a look and he just, just did one of these, you know, just, so just, just kind of reassuring me that, you know, just, it's all good, man. Just be calm and, you know, it's, everything's going to be fine. So, you know, just sometimes, uh, you know, and now I use that myself, you know, I'll, I'll remember Marco and I'll remember the lucky mm-hmm. game, you know, and it, no, it, that's it, great. It's, it sort of helps you to mentally prepare and to just, yeah. Well, I think that's, that's relax. also good get guidance for the folks listening because you could be calm, but maybe some of the folks that you're playing with may not be. Yeah. Like, I don't know, but I think everybody gets nervous to some extent. Absolutely. That's, now, I that's, can play uh, for hours here. I go into a guitar store and I have a trouble making a C chord. Yeah, because oh, someone might hear me, you know. Nerves are good. We 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 need our nerves, right? We need them, but not too much. Yeah. So you talked about changing strings, and this is a topic that comes up a lot in terms of questions that get posted to the channel. In acoustic guitars, and we're talking about steel string acoustic guitars for at least this episode. People get confused because there's so many choices. Do I get 8020s? Do I get phosphor bronze? Do I get coated? Do I get uncoated? You're a pro. For someone who's just getting going, what can what advice could you give them just to say, look, just keep it simple? Sure. Um well. I think it's, I, I do think it's worth, um, if you are getting some new strings on a guitar, um, <clears throat> I, I do think it's worth trying a, a coded set of strings. Okay. And, uh, you know, so a couple, couple reasons that I think it's, it can be good, especially if you're, you know, if you're not the kind of guy that's going to change your strings, uh, you know, uh, every month or like quarterly like you want you religiously want yeah exactly if you want to get the maximum life out of those strings and just concentrate on playing and you know the uh, having fun part the having fun part exactly okay. coated strings are great for that because they are that you know they're going to resist the the oils that are in your skin mm-hmm. and um you know those strings are going to stay uh sounding better and in tune better for a longer period of time. Well, I think that's great advice, and I appreciate you sharing that. I am, like you, I am a fan of coded strings, and one of the things that I know you've done and that I've done is try different ones. What's the worst thing that happens? You spent 17 bucks and you didn't like the strings. Okay, you've learned something, and you can move on and not do that again. Um, But I think there's a real benefit to coded strings, both from the life cycle the consistency and tonality and you don't get surprised you know 
readers of the of of the articles on the channel know that I love the sound of Monel strings, which is an old wind. Yeah, you know, comes way before the seventies. They sound great for the first four hours, and then they go dead really, really fast. That's right. So, again, I would side with you. I. I don't know. Is there a particular brand of strings that you found in great success with? Well, I'm I'm really liking um, I'm really liking the new uh, Diderio, the XS and the, the XS coated strings. Yeah, yeah. So I personally I like the the um, if it's the acoustic ones, they're in the black package, right? Okay. So, so those ones are they uh, not as thick of a coating. So those are the XTs. The XTs. So so they're a natural okay. feel. They're right. still going to last a bit longer, and and uh, you know, and the, and they sound amazing, um, because I think there is you know there is a, a little difference in sound, but again, we're talking, you know, well, Diodario will say that on their website, yeah, that the XSs are less bright, right, than the XTs, but both are code available as coded strings. Yeah, um, I'm using the XSs myself right now, just because I found that they work for me. Yeah. But everybody's different. You should try different ones. Yeah. But definitely, I'd, I'd absolutely advocate looking at coded strings. Okay, so you've got your guitar, you've got it tuned up, you've got your strings on, they're stretched properly, everything's seated. What else should you check before you head out to, you know, jam with your friends or or whatever? Okay, this is a great question because I, I like, literally... I can think of my, you know, my pre-gig checklist and, and... That's a great thing. Yeah, so, um, you know, the equipment has to get checked. And, and basically, you know, so if you are going to be plugging that guitar in, say if it, if it has a pickup, an onboard pickup system, or you're going to be using a... Um, maybe you're going to be using a sound hole pickup that you, that you pop into the guitar. Mm -hmm. Or... Maybe you're using a microphone, but whatever you're going to be using, I would suggest, um, you know, if you have a way, if you have an amplifier or or a, some kind of a speaker that you can plug it into prior to going to the gig, you know, check and make sure that your battery's fresh in the guitar. Check uh, check to make sure that your patch cord is working good, and um, you know, so so plug it in and, and make sure that it's working before you get to the gig because that's again. Uh, you know, sometimes it, it could be a jam night that you're going to, you have a, you have a fairly short window of opportunity to get up and do your thing. Right. Right. You don't want to be spending 10 minutes because you have a, a putting with kit. Yeah. Ryan hasn't had to endure my ranting about cables, but chief cables are the best way possible to screw your light bulb. A decent guitar cable, you spend, uh, what, you know, extra five or ten bucks on it, it's going to last you 30 years. Yeah. The one that you got for cheap, uh, that site <laughs> that shall not be named, <laughs> yeah. for five dollars, I guarantee you, a connector is going to snap off in a jack, or the solder is going to break. Yeah. It's just not worth the, worth your while. Yeah, I think. That, Am that, I making sense? I think so. I think it qualifies as like some of those things. Like you know, if it it seems too good to be true, then sometimes it is. And and uh, yeah, because uh, yeah, cable shouldn't be something you wanna you wanna get no. the best quality cable that you, that you can reasonably afford. And and uh, yeah, if you take care of it and you wrap it up uh, when you're done using it, 
and don't let your dog chew on it, it's probably going right to last on. you right for, on. for a good long time, right? Yeah, I mean, just treat your kid with respect. Change your batteries regularly. Don't wait for them to get close to dying. Use good quality batteries that you know you can depend upon. I mean, a lot of times, you know, particularly I find this with new players, they'll buy a guitar, it has a built-in pickup, it comes with a battery installed, and you have no idea what that is. Yeah. And how long it's been there. Yeah. And, you know, people get excited, hey, I'm going to come over, let's, let, let's get together and we'll play together. And, you know, when Kia was here, she talked about the incredible enthusiasm in, in younger folks, Gen Z and younger, for recording. Yes. Okay, okay, well, awesome. then the pickup better work. Yep. So maybe make a practice of changing that battery when you get the guitar. That's put a, a little, great... Put a little note card. Okay, I'm going to date myself. Put a note card in the case when you change the battery or put it in your phone or do something like that. Yeah. So you know how long the battery has been in place. Yeah. Does that sound reasonable or am I out of line? No, that's 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 good advice for sure, Ross. And, and uh, yeah, like I... You know, I, I just take a piece of masking tape and I'll stick it right on the battery, you know, with the date that Great. I put it in and, and, you know, or whatever, whatever works. You can, you know, if you, if you're, if you're changing a lot of batteries, then you might have a, a voltage tester around and you can, you right. know, you can, you can check it every once in a while. But in any case, yeah, make sure that your, your battery's working yeah, good. Yeah, you know, a, a big pack of batteries from a big box store is very cheap. And they will last under no load. Right. Do not keep them in the fridge. That's a myth. That doesn't work. Good to know. So we've talked about, you know, making sure that your gear is good. Now, when you're transporting your guitar, how do you transport when you're going to play somewhere? Is it in a bag, a gig bag, or do you use a hard shell case, or is there a preference? Uh... I do have, for for my acoustics, I do have them in uh, in hard shell cases, and you know, I it, there's there's advantages to both, I guess. Um, right. You know, what I can say is that you know, it, a a hard shell case is nice because you, you know, you can set it down on the on the concrete floor or whatever, wherever you might be going with it. You know, you you don't have to feel like you have to place it somewhere gingerly. You know, and right. And, uh, now gig bags have come a long way. Um, there is, you know, there's some incredible gig bags out there that, you know, will cost you several hundred dollars. Right. But to get that kind of quality, you're paying as much as for a decent hard case. But, and you haven't brought it up yet, but I'm going to presume that you would suggest always have a tuner. Absolutely. With you, whether yeah. it's a floor tuner or one of those headstock type, there's all kinds of tuners out there. Pick one. Yeah, yeah, just make sure whichever kind of tuner you're going to use, use it. That's the... Yeah, because out of tune, well, Ryan works in a guitar store. He knows to his horror what out of tune sounds like. It's, uh, it ain't pretty. No, it's, it's not pretty. <laughs> now, on the subject of those gig bags, I noticed that a lot of them have shoulder straps, like a backpack. Yeah, you know, make sure your shoulder straps aren't set at the maybe the shortest position right you, right so that you can keep it hanging down a little bit lower but um i think it, you know be mindful you always have to be mindful that you're carrying a guitar and that it's sticking up you know a foot over, and a half or two feet above yeah, your, over head, your head so. yeah 
that's just a, this is just my experience of having seen bad things happen to people. And I hate to see that happen because it just, it ruins your whole day. Yeah. And there may not even be any damage, but it throws you off completely. Yep. That's right. And, and it's important that you brought up, you know, we've been talking about acoustic guitars, but my acoustic bass is easily 12 inches longer. Yeah. Than, than the acoustic, a big bodied acoustic guitar. Yeah. Is there anything that you would add if you're playing like a coffee house gig or something like that? Well, I guess, um, you know, something that I think is, um, you know, it, it's good to maybe touch base with that coffee shop or, or the, the host, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you might want to touch base with them prior to showing up and, or, or, you know, if you do a little research on it and just see, you know, um, so that you, you kind of, you're kind of prepared at what kind of equipment they have there for you to, do I need to bring anything? Or, do I need you know? to bring anything else? Yeah. That's very, very good guidance. And does that change much? If you're now playing, you know, you're now you're going to go play a gig with your band uh, for an audience? Not really. There's, um, you know, um, what com- what typically happens uh, for a, for a um, you know, for a band gig um, is, you know, usually um, if it's a well-organized gig, I should, I should mention that because... Sometimes you know, they're not. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they're not, but and that's okay too. But but um, you know something that's like well organized, um, you know they'll probably uh, you know they'll actually send you a, a, a you know they'll send you a, a stage plot prior to the gig and say okay um, you know it, the idea is that you tell them what equipment you're going to need, where you might need uh, a direct box right for an acoustic guitar right where the the amps are going to be set and positioned on the stage so that they can have the appropriate microphones there uh, ready to, to mic those amps and power for the, for each. Right, right. You know, so each piece of gear. So, um, you know, and so, so little things like that, you know, are really, it's just all part of the preparation. And, um, you know, it means that you can then, because everything's pr- prepared and laid out, there's a better chance that you're going to relax and have fun doing. And that's, you know, that can't be understated. That's, that's why that's the point. That's the point. So, okay. All right. Well, that's good. I think that's really good guidance, you know, on getting out to play. Yeah. Because getting out to play with other people, that's magic, man. (laughs) Absolutely. It's, it's um, like you have a lot of fun playing on your own, but you get out and you play with other people. It's amazing what you pick up. Yeah. And how much better you get. Yeah, exactly. It, it's, uh, you know, I, I think just one other thing I would like to add, if I could, Please. is, is you know, um, usually we, we enjoy watching and listening to musicians and when we see them having fun, you know. We're, we do. They're making it look easy because they're smiling and they're, you know, and, and you know, uh, maybe it is really easy for them or maybe they're, maybe they're off somewhere else in their head, but... But they, they've gotten to that point where they are having a good time doing what they're doing. And, well, and, and, and proper planning, you know, is a mother of success, right? Yeah. You don't expect that a big star is going to come out and going, so where's the amp? 
exactly. Do yes. I have a chord with me? Yeah. And then yeah, you see a, you see a musician playing and having a great time, and it doesn't matter what their instrument is. You just it's easier for the audience to sink in. Yes. Yeah. And it creates a, a much nicer sense um, and feel. And I know, having watched a lot more music than played it live, you can tell when the artist is having a hard time. Sure. It comes yeah. across and you feel for them. Yeah. And some people don't and they get stupid. Right. Okay. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the current build strategy in a Is it fair to say that there's more choice in really quality instruments available today than has ever been before? I think that's uh, undoubtedly. I, I really think that uh, this is a, a great time for anybody that would be, you know, thinking about um, picking up an instrument. Uh, there's there's a you know just a wide range there i think that there is and i also i'm very very impressed with some of the stuff i'm seeing coming from overseas yeah you know you don't i mean you can certainly purchase a guitar made in canada or made in north america but you're going to pay a premium for it and the quality is probably going to be awesome mm -hmm. but there's some stuff coming out of indonesia and even parts of china that man they are stunningly good you know, yeah. they're they're solid wood. There's no laminates. You know, yeah. solid, good quality spruce pops. In the case of an acoustic, yeah. You yeah. know, nice fret work. You're not going to shred the ends of your fingers. You know, sliding up and down the fretboard. So, is it safe to say, find the guitar that feels good, and sounds good, and don't worry about the rest? Uh yeah. That's I think that's good advice as. Um... Yeah, the the fit and the feel I think is really important, and um, <clears throat> so it is good to, I think for if somebody for somebody that might be shopping for a, a new guitar or, you know they, or moving up from the guitar they've had for a while. Yeah, sure. You know, like yeah, I think it's good if you can you know try as many different body size shapes that you can you know because. Um, yeah, you might find that, uh, you know, you might find that, uh, you know, some guitars are just too big and too cumbersome and sort of you feel like you have to reach to get over the strings or, or uh, you know, and then and then you might pick up another one and, and feel like it's like, okay, this guitar is ergonomically correct for me. It fits me. Yeah. Well, I think that I, I can't overestimate the importance of the points that you're making. This is true for any type of instrument. It has to feel right. Yeah. Now, sometimes you may not get a lot of choice. You're buying a trumpet, and it's sort of a fixed proposition. Yeah. Although, since my daughter started playing trumpet, I've learned a lot about what to look for in a trumpet, things oh, cool. I never would have known, right? Yeah. But I think when it comes to an acoustic guitar, finding the fit is probably the most important thing, because otherwise it's yeah. going to end up in a closet. Yep. Or under a bed. So let's presume that you found a guitar that fits you. And I really appreciate you bringing up the subject of body size. I'm not advocating that you go out and buy a Taylor guitar. They're a fine product. But I think if you look at their documentation, they segment body size into five different sizes at this point. Yeah. And that could be 
you might find one that just doesn't fit you. For sure. You know, and, sure. and it, it's not about body size. It's about comfort. You know, I think, I think about, you know, myself, I find that parlor size guitars are super comfortable. And I'm a big guy. Sure. And yet I look at Emmy Lou Harris, who's not a big lady. She's very slim. Mm-hmm. Um, and she plays a big Gibson jumbo. Like yeah, kind of like the J200. one. Like, like what you play. Yeah. Uh, so find something that fits you. Now, a lot of the guitars that are coming today, particularly those coming from offshore, have built-in pickups. There's a lot of... Let's say that the internet has many opinions. Which it does. Many not supported by facts of any kind. Are these built-in pickups suitable for live performance? I I think so. I, you know, well, I'm I, asking I, I, you. I think, you're the pro, so <laughs> I mean, I have my opinion too. And you may find that you like one style or sound more than another, but you don't have to go bankrupt putting a pickup in a guitar. No, not at all. Um, and uh, no, there's lots of good options for pickups that. You know, all different price points too. You know, um, if you're if you're on a budget, then maybe something like, you know, a, a Fishman sound hole uh, pickup. Yeah, that, that I mean, if if the, the guitar hole. doesn't have a pickup, you yeah. can always add one. But I think the question that's come up a lot is, oh well, if the guitar is four hundred dollars, which is possible, and you can get a very good guitar you know, to get started on for $400. It may not all be solid wood. It might be some laminates in the sides and the back. And contrary to popular opinion, that may not be awful because those parts shouldn't be vibrating. Right. The top should be vibrating. Yeah. You know, and they'll come with typically a piezo or piezo or however you want to pronounce it, pickup. And there are folks who say, well, you just can't play live with that. That doesn't make sense to me. Are you aligned with that? Well, um, <clears throat> not. I'm not. Uh, you know, I, I think you know. Uh, really, um, yes. I think. I guess you know. Like, we can debate. You know, what kind of pickups going to give you the best sound, and and you know, for uh, a live performance. But really, I think one thing that that I try to keep in mind, um, you know, is that your audience and uh so you know your audience um yes there some there's going to be some cre- critics out there but isn't there always right yeah and when they what's more important is that they see you playing the guitar and smiling and you know and and know, having the, fun and it sounds decent you know yeah it's it's more it it tends to be more us guitar players that are really super critical of the sound. And, and so where I'm going with this is that sometimes your, your audience uh, is going to be less concerned about the fine details of the sound and more concerned with the overall performance. If you're in a venue and you're playing and people are talking and they're having a beverage, you know, whether it's a coffee or a beer or whatever, and they're having fun and watching you play, they could give a crap what kind of gear you're using. Yep. That's... As long as you're That's having it. fun and they're having fun. Yeah. Okay. So that, and I wanted to cut cut to that because 
there's a fair bit of misinformation. Well, you can't buy an X because it's got a Y pickup and it's going to sound like crap. Okay, if you're a guitar nerd, and yes, I am one, you will yeah. find some that you like better than others. Yeah. But your audience won't know. And they won't care. And nope. if there's a sound person, forget it. They're in control of the board anyway. Yeah, that's that's right. Um, you know, uh, like just on the topic of pickups, I I have um, in in one of my guitars that uh, I purchased a, an acoustic guitar, uh, a dreadnought um, mm -hmm. guitar that didn't have a pickup in it when I bought it, and. Uh, I had in that guitar. I had uh, a a K and K Pure Mini. Yes. Yep. Um, installed and and it's it's a really nice simple pickup. It doesn't need, it doesn't have a battery in it. No. Um, it's, it's a got, simple condenser. Yeah, and uh, and it works great. And and so, you know, um, that pickup I can I can plug that guitar into either an acoustic amp like my my Fishman Loudbox. Right. Or I can plug it into, um, you know, any mixer that has a... Right, that's got a, a, a high impedance in. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I, think that, I think that's very important because it brings us to the next question is, what if you get a guitar that doesn't have a pickup? And I bought a number of acoustic guitars over the years that didn't have pickups. Yeah. But I like to record. Sometimes I like to use a microphone. Sometimes I like to use direct-to-desk because I like the sound of the desk preamp. So do you recommend... If for whatever reason your guitar doesn't have a pickup, do you recommend getting one installed? Only if you're, like you said, like if you if you plan on at some point wanting to be able to plug it in, or you know for for either live performance or for possibly recording, right? Then, um, you know, sure, why not? It's there's, um, you know, it. Unless it's a, you know, the only thing I would say is that, like, unless it's a guitar that you want to preserve in its original, you know, condition and you're concerned Because you about, think you're going to make money on it. <laughs> yeah, maybe, right? You know, maybe if it's like a, a, an old... It's not going to happen. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know um, yeah, so maybe if you have, like, a 50s Martin D18 or something okay, that you're... Okay, right. It was Fair passed enough. down through the family or something. You That one, but but again, you know... Some people would say, well, that guitar has got to get played, so <laughs> put a pickup in it. Right on. Now, one of you mentioned um, the K&K Pure Mini, which I've written about and recommended many times for a number of reasons. First off, it doesn't require a battery. Yeah. So that's one less thing to go wrong. Mm -hmm. um, it's a condenser contact pickup. Mm -hmm. So some, some folks say that they find, and I'm one of them, find piezo pickups brittle and nasal and i've got i've replaced pickups that had you know about a used guitar had a piezo under saddle perfectly good pickup mm -hmm. but i replaced it with a k and k pure mini and i like it better yeah that's a and that one's a fairly simple install because it doesn't involve drilling and gouging and any of that stuff that's right and yeah i i you know i get uh Kevin in our, our shop to, to, <laughs> to get a professional to do the work. Yeah, I, I understand that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, uh, it's one of, you know, so our, our guitar tech at, uh, at the arts, it, you know, he, he's a big endorsee of, of K and K pickups as well. And he, you know, 
So Kevin's a really smart guy. He keeps in touch with, um, you know, several, like he keeps in touch with other people in the industry. Right. Uh, guys that are, that are uh, luthiers that are building their own guitars. And, uh, you know, so he keeps his ear to the ground on what's working. And uh, so, so I really trust his, you know, his opinion on, on that kind of thing. So Ryan's not saying it, but I'm going to say it now again, because I say it most episodes. Find a real guitar shop with, and, and most real guitar shops, the folks who work there are musicians and the better guitar shops have great books. And those people have way more experience than any one person's going to have normally because that's what they do for a living. Yeah. They may be luthiers. They may say they're not luthiers, but actually have the skill. Build a relationship with a real shop. With no disrespect, but you're never going to get that from a big box. They're going to mail you something. And sure. good luck. Yeah. You know, and even probably the best mail order house uh, in here in North America, that's probably Sweetwater. They mm-hmm. do a terrific job, but once the guitar is in your hands, you're not going to want to ship that back and forth across the country for work to be done. Find a local shop. Yeah. Plus, they're also going to have guitars where you can go try new things. Because the correct number of guitars, my friends, is always one more than what you have. <laughs> yes. Trust me, I've broken this rule <laughs> too many times. Okay. So if you're going to play out or if you're going to record, a pickup's a good idea. Yeah. And certainly for those folks who are really getting into recording as a, a now accredited engineer and producer, I will tell you, if your guitar has a pickup, it's a hell of a lot easier to do a recording than setting up microphones and running cables and then putting all the other stuff that needs to go in line. If it's a long cable run, you're going to need direct box. You know, there's a lot extra of extra kit. Whereas if it's got a decent pickup in it, you can plug it into the front end of any interface and any mixer with its salt has a high impedance input. And I think, it, I think it makes sense. Now, there are folks who don't want to do that. Sure. So they do want to use a microphone. And I'll grant you that microphones sound different than a built-in pickup. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of, uh, well, you and I both know Tommy Emmanuel. Uh, his guitars are Australian-made. They're a company called Maton or Maton. I'm not sure of the pronunciation. And they use both contact as well as an in-body condenser microphone on a gooseneck. And I've got, K&K actually makes a kit like that, and I've done that myself on one of my guitars. And that's nice, but again, that's work and extra cost. And sometimes you may just want to sit down in front of a microphone. Maybe you're a singer-songwriter. Sure. And you've already got it, you're going to need a microphone to be the singer, so you might as well have a microphone... Uh, possibly for the guitar. Are there any pros or cons that you've experienced in, in your time of using a microphone instead of, or even in addition to a pickup? Sure. Well, um, yeah, there, there's times when, um, uh, in it, for the purpose of recording, there's times when uh, having the pickup is good even if you are going to use a microphone 
uh, now you can take that pickup um, signal as well and blend the two, which is, you know, is really great because now you there's you know you can have now at least two tracks or two oh, two sources from that acoustic or more. Maybe you might even have more than one mic on that acoustic instrument. Well, that's right? a great that's a great point that you make because when I've been you know you know brought on to help uh, a singer songwriter, we'll often have a a microphone for the voice. Yeah, and usually two microphones for the guitar yeah. in, in type of a, you know, a, a, a V formation or something like That's that. That's right. So as a player, do you have to do anything different if there's a microphone? Other than not hit it. That's well, that, and that's exactly, uh, you know, that's the first thing that came to mind, Ross is, is that, you know, uh, if you are sitting in front of a microphone, um, what you want to do is, is uh, you know, once once you find the sweet spot where, you know, you're happy with the way that the sound is and, you know, maybe if there's somebody there that is controlling a, a mixer or a soundboard, they're happy with it. You want to try and, you know, you might even want to use a bit of masking tape, mark your spot on the stage there where you're going to mm-hmm. stand so that you're so that you know that you're going to maintain that uh, that distance between the yourself and the microphone and your or your guitar your instrument because one of the things that's true about the microphone is you've got to keep the guitar in the same position yeah so if you're one of those players who likes to move around a downside to using a microphone for an acoustic guitar is you're nailed to the floor yeah you know yeah. put a spike through each foot you're not allowed to move yeah you know and that's you right don't so. even turn which for some folks is uncomfortable. They're, it's not their style. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna work better for somebody that's either seated, right? You know, or um, but yeah, because like it, it's 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 not easy just to stay in one spot, uh, you know, throughout uh, even you know a three and a half or a four minute song. You know, you're you it, we have a tendency to to move around, or you might start dancing or something. Well, right? you that's, might get involved in the music, right? Yeah, yeah. And the other other thing, folks, if you are looking at doing recording or sound reinforcement with a microphone, if you're going to mic an acoustic guitar, my own experience, and Ryan, I want to get your thoughts on it. You want to get in my and my recommendation to you will be get a condenser microphone. It is going to need phantom power. Any interface worth its salt does that. Any mixing board worth its salt has a mic input. That can provide phantom power. Yeah. The the dynamic range and the frequency response of a condenser is so much greater. Yeah. Than a dynamic microphone. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I I've used um, you know, uh, I was going to also mention that a lot of the um, uh, like acoustic amplifiers. So um. Which I I use. Uh, well, you mentioned you've got a Fishman Loudbox. Yeah, and and a lot of those uh, will have phantom power built in them as right, well. So right. even so, even they can handle a, a condenser mic. And I I had a good experience using um, my my Rode NT2. Right. Um, when we were doing um, Facebook Live sessions for for the arts. Um, yes. You know, so I I. What I what I did there was I, I used my Fishman Loudbox uh, and I 
I used that NT2 road. Right. And um, I didn't have to close mic it. I, I used, it was, I had a bit of distance between. Yeah, a bit of space. A bit of space, but uh, that condenser mic, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty decent quality. Oh, it's a, it's a very good quality. Yeah. And microphone. You know, so it, it helped to just lift the volume. I would, I would say it wasn't, it wasn't like I was amplifying things a lot, but um, it just boosted the sound just a little bit and, um, you know, added some clarity and, you know, so I didn't have to sing quite as hard and, and right. or play quite as hard and uh, it worked, worked like a charm. So, you know, so. Um, so that's, that's one that you've had success with. That's the Rode NT2. There are yeah. what? What five fifty six hundred dollars or so roughly? Yeah, I think in that range. Yeah. Yeah. Rode also has one called the NT One A. In the mid threes. Yeah. The nice thing about both Rodes is that they come with stand mounts, and shock mounts, and you don't have to buy a whole bunch of extra kit. That's right. Open the box and it's ready to go. Yeah. And as a recordist and also as a videographer. I've never, ever had an issue with Rode products. A company that I do want to mention, though, from Aston, and it's called The Origin. I found it by accident, and I find it's absolutely... It's designed as a vocal mic, but for acoustic guitars, it's absolutely stunning. And I ended up having a conversation with J.P. Cormier, whom we talked about earlier, and this is the only thing he's using now. And, Interesting. That's that's cool. And uh, it doesn't come with a shock mount, so you have to buy that separately. That's a little annoying. But the quality is really good. The sound is really good. But if you're going to get a, a decent mic, get yourself a decent mic stand. That's great, Ryan. That helps us understand where a, mi uh, where a microphone can be good on its own, but also as a supplement yeah. to the pickup yeah. that's built in. So let's move on. You mentioned already that you're using an acoustic amplifier. Uh, but you also said that sometimes you can run direct to a PA. Yeah. Now, as a player, presuming the guitar has a pickup in it, mm -hmm. does it make sense for someone who's going to be playing out to get themselves a small acoustic amp? It's it's pretty handy, I guess okay. is the is is the best way I can um, you know describe that. So, uh, the the thing I like best about my acoustic amp is that it also has a, a microphone input for a microphone for, uh, right. or either a vocal mic or, or a vocal or, mic. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's, I think that's really important. If anyone's going to look at an acoustic amplifier, if you're going to spend the money, get two channels. Sure. One that is, you know, does everything that your guitar needs and will take a microphone for, from a guitar or your pickup. Yeah. Uh, we call them um, uh, multifunction input jacks. They'll take XLR or quarter inch yeah. mono. And but make sure it's got a voice channel. Yeah, and, and most of them do. Like I, I you know you know, so it, it's 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 like a it's like having a little portable PA system. Yeah. And uh, most will also have a an XLR direct output on the back. So. Right. So you can run them direct to a board. Yeah. Or you can even run them direct into your recording interface. Yeah. Yeah. Like good, I, good myself, point. I use AER amplifiers, and both of them do everything you've described. Very they've nice. got a voice channel, they've got a guitar channel, although it can, both channels can be used for guitar, and they've got proper balance line out 
Nice. So you can run nice long cables to your desk or to the mixer or whatever. Yeah. And you don't need line drivers and all that stuff. But the Fishman's are super popular. I think they're probably the most popular of the acoustic amplifiers. Although I would like to throw in a plug. I don't know if you've had a chance to see them. Um, you know, Laney out of Birmingham, England. Sure. They've brought out a pair of acoustic, three, a series of acoustic amplifiers, three of them I've tested, called the A-Series. And they look sort of like furniture. Okay. The A-Solo, the A-Duo, and then there's one that has a battery built in for buskers. Cool. And they sound terrific. Oh, cool. I, I, had, I hadn't seen those, Ross, so I'll, I'll have to check well, those they're, out. They're actually fairly new. Laney, Laney finally has a decent distributor. And guys, if you weren't aware, we're located in Canada. So elsewhere in the world, you might find it easier to get your hands on Laney gear. But Laney Amplification now has a, a, a very good Canadian distributor and anyone carrying Laney products has access to this. They've got the traditional acoustic amplifiers the a solo and the a duo sounded brilliant and just my opinion you know i'm i'm an i admit it i'm a nerd and i'm really picky about sound and that's why i've only ever played through aer acoustic camps because i couldn't abide at what the sound of any of the other ones okay i can get an a duo for half the price oh, of an cool. area aer compact 60 yeah. And it's really close. <laughs> like, oh. really close. <laughs> now, one of the things on the subject of those amplifiers, I think the Fishmans do this. I know that the Fenders do. They tend to have some basic effects built into them too, right? Yeah, I, a lot of them do. My my uh, my Fishman has, uh, yeah, it's got, you know, a couple of good reverbs. Okay. It's got... A, a very usable delay. Right. An echo, you know, so yeah. a, if you want more of a slapback kind of sound. Or just create space. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and uh, and core. But they're decent quality. You didn't need to go out and buy a whole bunch of other pedals. No, not, definitely not. Um, yeah, they, the, I use the reverb uh, or the delay right. pretty much, you know, uh, every gig, so. So yeah. that's something good. Now, how do you find a good one? You find a guitar shop. Because yeah. <laughs> they're going to carry different ones and you go try them out. Yeah. And you're going to find one that you like more than another. That's the way it always works. Yeah. You'll say, yeah, you know what? They're all decent, but I like this one best. Perfect. Yeah. You know, yeah that's, I, that's the right thing for you. Yeah, Does that make you, sense? Yeah. And, and um, you know, you mentioned um, how the Laney, Laney has one that's got battery and so, right. uh, you know, uh, as does Fishman, as okay, does Fender good. now as well. So, oh, really? So, okay. you know, Fender's got um, one that, uh, I think it's called the Go, you know, and it's got okay. a built-in battery and you can plug it in and charge it up. So, so you know, it's really, that's pretty cool um, at this particular, you know, time and, you know, that the, the batteries, uh, the same, you know, the battery technology as it's evolved over the years now, uh, yeah, you can get an amp that you can carry and take it out and uh, take it to the park. And In addition to the guitar, the amplifier, we talked about microphones, and you mentioned the advantage of one of these amplifiers that can take both a vocal microphone and the guitar. 
as being really beneficial. I've noticed that a lot of these newer amps also have an auxiliary in. Typically, you know, like a 332nd or 1/8th inch stereo in. Yeah. Now, I can see value to that if you're a solo artist, but also, do you think that that's a good thing to have in general? And does it help with someone who's just practicing and playing alone? Absolutely. There's, uh, I, I, I think, you know, it can be a, a very valuable tool. And, um, you know, uh, whether whether it's being used, you know, for a, a live performance type of application, but, you know, in the very simplest way, yeah, you know, now you can play along with uh, that Zeppelin song or whatever that you've, that you, you're trying to kind of nail the, the sound or the, the, um, you know, a certain part or something like these amps, um, you know, a, a, an acoustic amp, it is full range. So it, it, it the sound should be nice and clear. Like right. if you're if you're playing even just for this just for listening to music, you'll find right. it's, it's got a nice sound to it. You know, an acoustic amp is going to make that acoustic guitar s- attempt to make it sound as natural as it possibly can. Right, and, and I know that I've encountered folks who say, "Well, I'll just plug it into my electric amp," but it doesn't sound not usually. <laughs> the top is shelved, yeah, and the bass gets boomy. It's it's just not. You know, if you're going to do this seriously, get yourself a an acoustic amplifier. And, I mean, it doesn't have to be big and heavy because, again, as you say, most of them have got to line out. Yeah. So you could run it to the house PA or... Plus, I think the ability with these auxiliary ends and the ability to have backing tracks, it's a hell of a lot less boring than the metronome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, great for practicing. Um and this is one of the things that I think is important, particularly if you're the player who typically plays on your own. My experience is that solo players don't lock their timing in, as well as people who play in bands or where there's a drummer or a bass player. Yeah. Who's setting the tone and, and the timing. Like, I don't know if it's happened to you, but if I get excited, I might speed up. Yep. And so I think that there's an, an advantage to the player if they've got backing tracks of some. Sure. Even if it's just a simple, you know, four on the floor drum beat. Yeah, exactly. And and I think you can, uh, you know, uh, even even maybe just doing, uh, you know, a practice every once in a while with a metronome, I think is a good Oh, I agree. You know, really good exercise to do. And if you are thinking like at some point I want to go to a, uh, I want to go to a jam night or something, right? You know, the drummer and the bass player are gonna are gonna be thanking you if you've done, you know, spent some time right. practicing right. with the metronome, right? Because, because uh, yeah, a lot of us say uh, we, you know, you might be concentrating on the chords or you might be concentrating on the strumming or the rhythm pattern, right? But, you know, um, and. You know, it doesn't mean that your your timing's going to be terrible. Some of us, some of us uh, have better natural timing, and and sure. some of us really have to work at it. But just about everybody can practice, or, or anybody can benefit from practice. That's, no, absolutely. And yeah, like one thing I've done before that, I, and I've I've you know found um, this helps sometimes. Like if I uh, learning a new chord or something like that. Uh, well, 
you know, try to work that chord into a, a chord progression. Right. And then, and then, you know, start playing that. If you can then start playing that along with a, with a metronome. Right. You know, that's going to get you, force well, you to get those, those. Yeah. And the, I think this is really important what you're saying, because there's nothing wrong with what we call cowboy chords, but nope. you might find that an inversion sounds nicer to your ear. Sure. Or you want want to start using extensions. Yeah. And those are amazing things, but then you want to also bring it back and make sure that you're, you're on the clock. Yep. So we talked about the effects that are commonly built in to acoustic amplifiers. Uh, are there any other pedals or effects that you find useful yourself and that you would suggest to a player, particularly someone who's going to go out and play with others or play, play live in a band situation? Sure. Well, I, I'm going to talk, first of all, Ross, about, uh, you know, my favorite pedal, probably the most boring pedal on my pedal board, but it's the, the Boss TU3. A so. tuner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, and, and I've done sessions on how do you build a pedal board. First, you start with the tuner. What should my first pedal be? Should I get a delay or an OD? No, you should get a tuner. Yeah, so, I've, you know, that's... Of course, uh, you know, you could use any kind of, like a clip-on tuner or whatever, but but yeah, I... I yeah, but if you're standing in, or sitting and playing, a floor tuner is easier to see. Yeah, it's... it's Well, and, and, and the other um, handy thing, too, is... Um, you know, when you engage the tuner, uh, you can you can set it so that when you turn it on, it mutes your signal. A very good thing, because I don't know an audience who likes to hear you tune up. Not too many. No, no. Yeah, so so you know, it mutes your signal, so now you can you can tune uh, your guitar, and uh, you know, so the the Boss TU three is a good one. There's there's many different ones out there. There's all Ford kinds of tuners, them. but I think. I agree with you. If you're going to have pedals, the first one should be a tuner. Yeah. And I personally find that things like the TU3, and I use a TU3 myself. I've also got a number of the Peterson tuners, you know. Nice. In learning to be vaguely technical. No, Kev. Not by a long (laughs) shot. But learning to do, you know, basic fret work and that sort of thing. Yeah. I find those tuners are more consistent. Than a lot of these little clip-on ones. Yeah. Yep. The the clip-on ones can be out five or six cents. Not everybody's aware that there's these things called pedal tuners out there, and and yeah. you know they're pretty much any uh, you know professional musician that's um, you know play, playing his guitar on stage uses a, a pedal tuner uh, that they plug right into, and it's picking the signal up directly from the instrument. Is there anything else that you would suggest? I have with uh, with my K and K pickup, uh, being that um, I'm using the Pure Mini in one of my guitars, and it does not have a volume control on it. So I have plugged it. Sometimes I'll plug it through a volume pedal. Yeah, and uh, that works great because uh, you know I can use so so it's a foot controlled volume pedal. I'm using a Dunlop, but there's ones made by there's all kinds. There's all kinds of volume pedals out there. Yeah. So I found, if you are changing up guitars, maybe you're taking one or two, a couple of guitars to your event, the volume pedal 
gives you, the musician, real control. Yeah. Um, because you never know if something's extra hot and it starts to overdrive the preamp in the PA or in the mixer. You can just That's right. bring it back and gives you some control. That's a great idea. What else? Anything else? Um, okay. If I... I'm going to tell you that I sometimes use a looper. So, What if you're on your own? Yeah. You're the only guitar player. Uh, I use it primarily for layering and and just adding a a rhythm track right which then i might um add another part over top so right i'll give you an example um that you know some of your listeners might be familiar with um the song uh for what it's worth uh which is uh, a song by buffalo springfield uh you know if you if you recall that song um there's a harmonic that's played, um, mm-hmm. you know, over the, the opening chords, which are uh, E and A. You're playing an E chord to an A chord, E chord to an A chord. So, you know, uh, the way I've found that I can use this with my looper is is start playing those two chords, E to A, E to A, E to A, and then uh, create a loop with that. And then I can start putting the harmonic over top of those two chords. And uh, so to simulate how the the song sounds in the original recording for anyone who is not familiar with looping what i'm going to encourage you to do is go over uh, onto youtube and search for kt tunstall black horse and the cherry tree cool she's a scottish musician guitarist Uh, black horse and the cherry tree was a really big hit for her but what most people don't know is it's just her right yeah. The chords, Incredible. the solo, the vocals, the second vocal, the tambourine, it's all her. Yeah. With a looper. Actually, she uses two loopers. Right. Is there anything else that you'd add? If I, if my wish list, uh, you know, I'd add, uh, I might have a, a a delay on there because right. I, I like to have, um, like, I like to be able to turn on and off a, a short delay right or you know the the one that i've been using for eons is the the mxr carbon copy which right uh, is a a simple effective analog delay and uh it it works great i can you know very quickly i can adjust it to a a quick slap back uh delay uh to give me a sound for doing something like a um you know kind of like that 50s kind of rockabilly sound absolutely and, uh, you know, and then I can, I can change it fairly quickly to, uh, something if I want to do something with some, like a, a reggae or kind of a, yeah, or even a more ambient response. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Two pedals that I find very useful. I'd like your thoughts on, um, an EQ pedal. Ross, you got me. I got, I've got one of those too. Okay. <laughs> so you find that there's value there because it helps you tune to the room and the location. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, and that, you know, so it's funny that like the, the EQ, it's either I have the EQ or the volume pedal lately right. because, um, what I've started doing is the, the EQ I'll use just for a boost pedal. So, well, yeah, yeah. A good EQ will also, will have, in addition to however many bands it has, it will also have a clean boost. Yeah. Exactly. And, and sometimes with acoustics, what I've, uh, one thing I've noticed is that, uh, sometimes just boosting a, a mid frequency or just, you know, just changing the EQ shape just slightly 
And I don't even have to boost the level very much, but just changing the EQ shape uh, kind of makes the sound stick out a little bit more. So absolutely so great it, it, for. So that's great. Any particular EQ that you like? Uh, mine is a Boss. The Boss GE Seven. GE Seven. Man, you can't beat that thing. No. It's inexpensive. There's no rocket science involved in using it. Yeah. Uh, it's a seven band uh, EQ, which is about all you really need, really. And it's got that booster. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's works, a great choice. Works really well, and and that is you know that is that covers the the pedals that I've been using for uh, you know for my acoustic gig, and those I, I have those arranged on a on a. A pedal train. Uh, a board that you can transport board, yeah. easily. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was it worth your time to come out? This has been great, Ross. It's, uh, it's it, been great for me. Uh, I really enjoy it. Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I honestly thank you. Uh, it's a, it's an honor to, to be invited to come out and, and talk about something that, you know, like I, people don't ask me to talk about that kind of stuff all the time. It's, well, they're fools you know, because they so, should. Yeah. You know, within the context of your time. Would you be willing to come back for another episode at some point? I, I think we could do this again, for sure. That sounds great. So, folks, for the podcast at thatguitarlover.com, I'm Ross Chevalier, and... I'm Ryan Ainsworth. And, Ryan, thanks so much for being with us. Guys, I wish you success, health, and until next time, peace. <laughs>